A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Okay, well, we've answered a little SOS call because fans of Inside the Octagon have realized that we didn't have time to get in the studio with our UFC colleagues and produce a proper show. So this isn't an official UFC product, despite very grand uh, appearances and a a guest as well. Um, But Dan, I mean, what a fight. What a fight, and we had to do something. People want to hear... What needs to be said? What is Dan Hardy, the analyst, going to talk about? What's he going to bring to the table? So I am here to facilitate. I was so disappointed when the last show didn't come. Because that, that's, that's three times we've tried to do it now. Yeah. And every one of them was a really enjoyable show to make. And every one of them I felt gave a real good analysis of what to expect from each fighter. And now, we, I mean, we're not, we're not seeing any, three, any of them now. So yeah. that's a bit disappointing. And it's been nice because we've... As you said, we've covered those fighters again and again, and then we've had a short space of time where they fought. So we were able to see the evolution and what went right, what we'd looked at, what they brought to the table. So anyway, yeah. maybe. And I'm Dana, also disappointed that we don't get to properly break this one down as well with my, my, my TV Yes, screen, of course. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is a restricted uh, Dan Hardy. But, <laughs> I'll just pretend I've got a screen here. Yeah, every now hands, and then. Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about the fight then, because just top line, what a stud Max Holloway is for taking this fight against 25-0, Khabib Nurmagomedov, very difficult to really even pull apart what he doesn't do well. Mm -hmm. There's, There's very few flaws to his game, hence his perfect record. So when you heard the news, apart from being disappointed for Tony Ferguson, for the fight fans, but when you heard that Max Holloway had stepped up, what did you, as a fighter, what did you think? Respect. You know, absolute respect. Best possible replacement the UFC could have found. Better, in my opinion, than Conor McGregor. Because for Conor to have, um, you know, to have a spectacular performance, he needs that hype going into it. Whereas Max Holloway, just the character that he is, when he, when he takes a fight, you know what you're going to get out of Max Holloway. You know what I mean? It's a part of the enjoyment of, of watching Max Holloway compete is that you can just see how much he enjoys it. I mean, I mean, he said himself at the press conference, didn't he, when they were talking about the matchup and, you know, if somebody falls out, who's the replacement? He immediately grabbed the mic. You know? Yeah. When, when you want to be the best, you've got to fight the best and the yeah. best is blessed or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you know, that beautiful line. line. And he's just, he's just poised for stardom. And you've got to think, if Max Holloway wins this, he immediately calls out Conor McGregor. There is nobody else for Conor to come back and face. It immediately clears up the whole confusion. Mm. It puts Tony Ferguson on the side, which is unfortunate for him. Obviously, it puts Khabib to one side as well, although that obviously would be a massive fight. But the storyline with Max Holloway not losing since he faced Conor McGregor the first time, the only person to take him to a decision at featherweight, 
he marched through everybody all the way to two titles. Mm. He basically took the belts off Conor McGregor. I mean, I, I, it's just the, the, the stage is perfect for Max Holloway to become the greatest of all time. You know, I, I can't help but daydream about the, 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 the potential that he has after this. If he beats Khabib, we get him against Conor McGregor. If he beats Conor McGregor, I think we get Max Holloway GSP. I mean, you know, oh my God. it gets crazy. It gets crazy if he beats Khabib. <laughs> Fantasy matchmaking. He, he, you know, he puts himself in that superhero class of fighters that, that you can just match up with anybody and they mm. will sell. They're even talking about him fighting Mikey Garcia in boxing. I heard about this, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah Dana was asked. It's a bad idea. You know, I, I, I just don't think it benefits Max Holloway at all, but it just goes to show that there's, there's so much conversation around now what... What can we do with Max Holloway? Mm. You know, where can he go? What is he, 26, 27? Yeah, young. Sky's the limit. It's amazing. And he would have been a two-weight world champion, and he would have defended his belt as well, which he's got that one over. And he keeps mentioning that. Yeah, he does mention that, <laughs> which is why I felt like I had to bring it up. But um, yeah, I mean, records could be made broken and setting that bar ever so high quickly as well. How long did it take for someone to get those two world titles, and then very, very quickly someone comes in. But mm. listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right? <laughs> um, so the way that we were going to set this up is almost like you guys peering into how we would discuss inside the Octum before we go into the studio, which is kind of like how we're dressed right now. <laughs> um, I say a lot of stupid stuff, which Dan then uh, is very <laughs> kind to me, pushing back. But I think it'd be interesting for you. I'm happy for you guys to see the, the more raw version of, uh, of me over here asking the questions. not normally with us. Though. No, that is the other thing. She's but we, addition. She's a better, version, better looking version of some of our UFC colleagues <laughs> as well. <laughs> That's true. They'll be Those, very upset. With yeah, them. they will be upset. Um, so, well, let's bring up the facts and the stats, which we don't have behind <laughs> us. Um, but some really interesting ones to look at. 83, so this is for Max Holloway, the current featherweight champion. 83% takedown defense. Clay Collard in 2014 was the last person to take him down. That's really impressive. It is really impressive. Why do you think that is? Why do you think no one's looking to take down Max Holloway? Or, or is it Max Holloway just with super good takedown defense? Um, I, think he's, I think his game and I think his stance is heavily based around... Um, defending takedowns you'll notice he stands very heavy on the lead leg and because he's always switching his stance and moving forward at angles I, I love the way that it's almost like like the evolved version of Frankie Edgar's footwork Frankie Edgar's excellent it, you know with his feet but he does it specifically from an orthodox stance whereas Max Holloway's now showing the ability to switch very much like TJ Dillashaw was doing and when you add that option in to switch your stance as you're moving forward it makes it far more difficult to set, set up a takedown Right. So I think that's a benefit. I think the fact that he leans heavy on his lead leg makes it much easier for him to, to drop his weight low and to, to immediately start defending takedowns. He's great at fighting for underhooks. He's got good balance. Very similar to Tony Ferguson as well. If you do start to elevate him, because he's so long, he's able to get a point to the floor to at least influence the way that he's moving. Right. Um, and that, that's a big part for him as well. So I, I just, you know, I think he's... I think he was born at the right era so you can learn striking with takedown defense at the same time. You know, a lot of people in the generations before, they came from striking and learned takedown defense or they mm. came with wrestling and learned striking. Max Holloway really is one of, the, one of those early generations of the, the, the real mixed martial artists. Yeah, yeah. And he has 
grown up before us, such a young man, um, achieved so much already. 12-fight win streak, crackers. <laughs> Last person to outstrike him was McGregor. Every mm. person since Holloway has outstruck, sometimes almost like two to one as well, mm. which is, so that just goes to show the kind of intensity that he comes with. Second most knockdowns landed um, in, in the featherweight division. By far the most significant strikes landed. He's got over 300 more strikes over Cub Swanson, who's been around for an age. Yeah. Mm. Um, number one in strikes landed per minute as well. So everyone knows about that pressure that he brings. How key do you think that's going to be against uh, Khabib? It's going to be it's going to be massive, especially the longer the fight goes, because you know we've seen it. We've not seen a limit to Khabib's output. You know we've been able to see him dominate fights, but I think a lot of that is largely because he's had it his own way. You know, there, are, there haven't been many times where someone's been able to trouble Khabib and put him in a situation where he has to adapt and be reactive. And that really is one of the most taxing things on your cardiovascular system when you're in there is to, to, to have to make those adjustments and to have to engage muscles when you're not ready to. Like with the style that he's got, you can imagine he can pretty much coast through that. And when, when he's got that technical ability and that that foresight to be able to strip bases away before people start establishing them he just allows him to stay ahead of the game so it, it, it's it's quite an easy game plan for him if he starts getting troubled by max holloway that's when i start to think we'll see his cardio fade and we'll start to see him reaching and lunging and and that's where max holloway is is really dangerous and the output then will be you know, how many strikes can he hit Khabib with before Khabib closes the distance and he has to defend another takedown? Mm. High striking output's going to be key because he's got to hit him as much as possible as he's covering distance. He's got to deter him from just crashing forward behind punches, which Edson Barbosa wasn't able to do. You know, you watch the Edson Barbosa fight and it was a case of Khabib stepping out and going, okay, I'm going to eat some body kicks and some low kicks, but I need to stay close to him as possible to shut that down. Max Holloway's got better hands, so I would assume that it's going to be slightly easier. The downside is that he doesn't have the elbow game of Tony Ferguson, and that's where I was seeing Tony Ferguson with his biggest advantage. We're going to skip around here, but this is what we normally do when we uh, yeah. prepare for these things. So in terms of game planning, Tony Ferguson and Max Holloway are in a very, very rough, rounded sweeping statement, similar mm -hmm. in the fact that they're very upright straight posture strikers does that make it a little bit easier for Khabib in considering the the offense of Max Holloway He's also Max Holloway is going to be slightly smaller not going to be carrying as much power to weight um and and doesn't really have to consider the elbows as a fight finisher in my opinion not necessarily and not from what we've seen of Max Holloway's game so far I mean at the age that he's at you've got to think that he's going to continue evolving no doubt he was studying Tony Ferguson with the mind that if Khabib pulls out, he would step in against Ferguson. So one thing that he may have spotted right. is the, the effect that Tony Ferguson's had with elbows. I mean, particularly against Josh Thompson, who he made a real mess with. But that's something that would be easily implemented into Max Holloway's game because of the way he stands, being able to step in behind with elbows and just add that extra facet to his game, especially especially when he's fighting a guy like, like uh, Khabib, who you can't really throw a great deal of kicks against. Mm. So... I mean, we're assuming that Max Holloway is going to show up as the best version of what we've already seen of him. And yes. if that's the case, then no, he doesn't have, a, have a, an elbow game to compare to Ferguson. But So when, when this fight was, was changed, the first thing I did was I go, okay, I know Tony Ferguson fairly well because I've just researched him for the inside the octagon. 
I know Max Holloway because I've researched him several times for Inside the Octagon before and because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, I enjoy watching him fight. So yeah. if I compare those two, what fits, what's the same and what's different? So Max Holloway and Tony Ferguson are very unpredictable with their striking. For Tony Ferguson, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not a thought-out process. He's in the moment. He reads what's happening with his opponent. He'll even be in the process of throwing something and stop and then change his mind and actually decide to throw it. There's quite an awkwardness to his style, which catches people off guard. With Max Holloway, I would say he's, he's a more disciplined and a more polished striker, but he's got a real wide variety of combinations that he can put together and a lot of different tools that he can draw from. And... The, 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 the reason why I think Max Holloway is probably a better striker overall, if I was trying to pick a better striker, I would say that that's because Max Holloway will have a thought process of, if I step this way, Khabib's going to do that, and I can expect him to do this when I do this. Tony Ferguson, I don't think he has that forward planning. And I think Max Holloway does, and I think that will be a benefit in creating space and setting traps for Khabib to walk into. Mm. So... Tony Ferguson, super creative, but very difficult to plan for because not even Tony perhaps knows what he's going to do. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, Max Holloway, for all of the years that he's been around, has developed a very good intelligence inside the octagon and is working with his, the same team who I believe strategically are making a lot of very, very good decisions so maybe leaning on those guys and coming coming good with a with a decent game plan for Khabib in that case. I, I think so. I mean, it, he immediately mentioned that he would step in and take this fight against either guy. He's going to be very familiar with both of these guys because I think we all we all see Max Holloway stepping up to a lightweight eventually anyway, and mm. and in in soon enough terms that he would probably face Khabib or Ferguson or both when he does make that transition. So. He's a student of the game. He's already watching these guys. And he's already... When I was fighting, this was something I couldn't help doing. And this is one of the reasons why I feel like my knowledge for the for the game has grown so quickly. Because when I was fighting and I was watching a UFC event, if I was watching somebody fight that was in my weight class or one up or one down, I would be watching that person like, how do I beat them? Right. And Max Holloway would be watching everybody within 15, 20 pounds of his weight going, how do I beat that person? Mm. Now, since I've taken myself out of the equation, I can see things a lot clearer and I can see the strengths and weaknesses of both fighters. Whereas I was always a bit, a bit heavily influenced about with my own ego when I was. Well, it's your own journey that you were on and yeah, absolutely. But, but in Max, Max Holloway's stage of his career, there's a benefit to that because he will be picking holes in Khabib's game for, for the past three, four, five years. Yeah. You know, and, and he's got some, some good fights to work from. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the Michael Johnson fight was an excellent example of, of what you can expect from Khabib. And same with Edson Barbosa. There are things in both of those that he can be encouraged about when he watches. Um, I, I think Max Holloway has all the tools. The, the only real unknown with this one is the fact that he's going up a weight class. Yeah. And, and he's taking it on short notice. Yeah. And George Lockhart has kind of gone out to the media and made a big deal about the cuts. Um, Let's not speculate about that. And before I forget to ask you this question, it's a phrase that you've used before. You've coined it from a very great man, the, the intercepting fist. Mm. Now, do you think that Max Holloway coming up a weight class, let's assume that he's in the best physical condition, but he works super well behind his jab. But is that, in, is that jab, that work behind that lead hand enough to stop the 
very, very linear, powerful motion of Khabib. Is he just going to be able, is he just going to say, land it on my face? I'm just, I'm going to put my face through your fist in order to get in on your hips and force you against the fence. Yeah. Very likely, Khabib fights like he's going to accept some some shots on the way in. Exactly like I was talking about with the Edson Barbosa fight. He He's willing to cover distance and take shots to get within range because he knows once he's got his teeth into you, there's, a, there's very little you can do. There's a moment where he almost does a flying knee but doesn't do a flying knee, sort of crashes through the guard yeah. of Barbosa against the fence mm-hmm. to pin him there. Yeah. And that's really that's such a risky strategy. But, you know... Like a Damian Meyer, you know that once you're in contact with that person and you're clamped on, that's your world. Yeah. It's Jacare as well. Yeah. Jacare will go to the floor on any term. I mean, that's why Tony Ferguson was an intriguing opponent because he's very much the same. Right. There's a creativity in his takedown offense, the forward rolling and that kind of stuff. But he also does accept going to the floor and, and attacking immediately as they land. So you've got to think Khabib's mentality, especially because he's never been defeated. And that is a benefit for his confidence, but it's a detriment for his adaptability because he's never needed to adapt. Max Holloway's had losses. That Conor McGregor fight was sometimes you'll come into contact with a fighter a little bit too soon and it'll be like just just reaching out and touching the next level. And that's what Max Holloway experienced in that. But as soon as he touched that next level, he was able to access it and then he was able to train himself up to it. And that's what we've seen over his last few performances. So in Max Holloway's head, he's had those lessons earlier in his career. He knows he can adapt. Khabib never had those lessons. So that first moment where his confidence is broken, that first, let's speculate, for example. So Max Holloway loses the first two rounds. Khabib motors forward. He eats the jab. He gets swollen up and bru- bruised a little bit, but ultimately he's okay. He's able to get in and drag Max Holloway to the floor. The third round starts and Khabib tries for a takedown and Max Holloway chases his neck. And immediately Khabib's like, oh, there's a first line of defense there. He tries for another takedown and Max Holloway defends it again. Now he's got to strike with Max Holloway for a minute. That first moment where he goes, this is not working. My regular game plan's not working. What happens to Khabib's head? How right. does he deal with that? And, and how does then he deal with the rising confidence of Max Holloway, who is then going to start walking him down and beating Probably him talking to you as well. Exactly. Yeah. You'll get, we'll get the Diaz hands coming out yeah. and he'll start slapping Khabib. Yeah. And, you know. and there was a lot of slapping in, um, in that second Aldo fight. Mm. A lot of slapping. You, yeah, you mentioned this earlier. It's, it, he uses it so well to open up targets. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he, I always remember the combination that he landed against, uh, against Lamas against the fence where he was flurrying to bring the hands up and then just cracked him in the body. the body. And, and you could see the body tuck and the elbows come down, the change in that posture. And he does the same thing with the hands, you know, just like get, get reaction, get people's reactions. So they start, you know, taking that bait and opening those, those targets. That's what I was talking about. The difference between him and Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson may see that target and he'll exploit it, but he won't create that target for himself. Right. Do you know what I mean? So the pro, so there's more programming likely to come from the, the style of Max Holloway. Yeah. Than Tony Ferguson is a bit more reactive. Uh huh. Exactly. The one I the, the the example I always use is um, uh, Anthony Pettis against Joe Lozon with the body kick. Right, hit him with the body kick and hurt him. Mm. Then he reminded him that the body kick was dangerous, even though he blocked it. So then the next time Joe Lozon saw his hip flinch, he dropped his hand and exposed the side of his head and got knocked out. Mm. That is a level of programming that some strikers they don't not necessarily they don't have they don't need. 
Tony Ferguson doesn't work on that level. He works on a level where he's in the moment and he's he's just he's he, you know it's it's, it's like a training it? session. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He tries stuff in the octagon, which yeah. some coaches would be very worried about. Um, yes, go in and have fun, but go in and have fun within these parameters that we've laid out in the last eight weeks. Yeah. Um, but that's why it's so exciting. And yeah. it's working for him. Yeah. Um, something that I want to ask you about that I noticed, it's worth talking about the reach. I think uh, Holloway is an inch taller, but he's one or two, in, he's giving away one or two inches. I think it's one inch in arm span. And maybe two inches in legs or something like that. Something like that. Mm. Anyway, my point is he doesn't have a reach advantage. And he, he holds his hands quite far forward. Mm-hmm. So they're extended from his body, which gives the perception that he's bigger than what he is. And, then, and also his jab and his right hand has, has a little less distance uh, to go from as well. But his chest and the width of his actual body is is quite narrow. So Mm -hmm. it's deceiving when we talk about reaches because it's not there. It's fingertip to fingertip, which takes into consideration your chest Mm -hmm. or your back and shoulders. So when I've seen him really getting down, like when it it was with um, Lamas and then he did it a little bit with with Joe Sayado in that second fight when he almost meets his opponent in the center and is like, right, let's throw down. He's very narrow in his shoulders yeah. and he throws his punches very straight, which means they come in this kind of direction. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other fighters that he's been against, I'm asking you this question, if you think there's any validity to it, they're a little bit broader. And when they're trying to throw, even if they saw anything other than a straight punch, they're just deflecting mm-hmm. off the side of Holloway because he's, he's kind of narrower, mm-hmm. going a little bit more direct. Is there something in that? In that he's beating people to the punch, he's make it. Uh, Connor does it very well. He makes himself look way bigger, but that again is something that Holloway's done. But he actually, it's like an arrow. He's he's kind of guiding everything through a much smaller uh, space, and then people aren't getting to the target mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, it, like, if you think of the shape of Holloway's body, he's very much kind of up and down. He's very very rectangular, and. <laughs> We, we talk about reach and reach advantage and we always assume that the person with the longer reach is the one with the advantage and it's it's not always the case. It's it's about using that reach yeah. and, and about how... I mean, you can have the shortest arms in the UFC, but if you can get clamped onto someone, that's like an Khabib, advantage. Like Khabib, for exactly. example. Yeah. So w- when it comes to, to Max Holloway, a lot, of the, a lot of the time he makes up for what would be conceived as a... Uh, uh, perceived as a disadvantage in reach. He makes up for it with his footwork. He's very good at moving his feet in underneath himself as he's... As he's striking, and as far as his posture goes, one of the, as I was talking about with his takedown defense, because he leans heavy on his lead leg, and and he's kind of his arms are slightly out, so he's very good at dropping his elbows and creating a shield immediately, even if that's just to buy him a second to get his hips back. The other benefit as well is that he because his hands are pretty much halfway there, he doesn't have that drawback to punch, so he pops you, he taps you. Yeah. And a, a common misconception with a lot of fighters, especially if they're not coming from a striking background, and, and they say, say that they're jiu-jitsu players or they're, or they're grapplers or something like that, they don't understand how to apply power in punches. Like a drill I always used to do on the bag and a drill that my striking coach used to have me do is we would do, say, a four-punch combination. We would go jab, cross, hook, cross, and he would move one of the pads. So then 
what it would mean is I would have to throw the punches to hit correctly, but not to throw where I would overextend myself if I missed. Right, yes. Which is, so when you throw a big wild punch and you miss, you've got to then basically, you engage muscles to throw the punch. If the punch lands, that breaks for you. If you miss, you've got to apply another set of muscles to break and to pull that, that momentum back. So Max Holloway doesn't overexpose himself. He's able to walk himself into range and pick at people because he's hitting them with 40, 50, 60% power. And then, and Joanna does this as well, and she's on the same card, and we're going to see this. Um, another thing I, I was used to do to train this is I would say pick a four punch combination. So say I go one, two, three, two. I would then go, okay, my left hook's my power punch. So I go one, two, hit with power and then touch again. Right. So I would choose when I was applying power and to what strike I was applying it to. So as you were talking about with Max Holloway throwing a lot of slapping punches, he knows that that's a smoke screen to open up for the power shot. And because his hands are so close to you, he can pick you. He can, you know, just kind of keep lighting you up, keep something in your face. Mm. And one thing I was expecting Tony Ferguson to use well against Khabib was the, were those jamming shots, the intercepting fist. As Khabib stepping forward, just catching with a solid shot on the end of the chin that doesn't necessarily have to have power, but would act as a, almost like a joust, just stop him in his tracks and force his momentum a different direction, have to, make him have to regroup. How important is not overextending against Khabib? You've got to think every, every mistake that you make is going to leave you available for a takedown. And it's much easier to keep space between you than to have to continually defend. Because when you're defending, he's winning, basically. I mean, that's, you know, you're on the back foot. Even if he's in on your legs trying to take you down against the fence, he's, he's dictating the pace of the fight. The whole octagon is behind him. So when you talk about octagon control, you know, you're losing on those scorecards as well. So I think footwork is going to be key. I also think, you know, application of power. So he's not really over, over swinging and overthrowing and trying to look for that knockout shot. Um, I, I think even though he's coming in on short notice and the fight is up a weight class, I still think he, he will feel confident that his cardio will last the 25 minutes of hard fighting if he needs it. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's having, will he have his own self confidence that he's in good enough shape? to perform like you said it at the top, like the Max Holloway we know. What is that like as a fighter when I'm sure you've taken fights short notice and I mean, you're a knockout specialist. Holloway is a man that's got a lot of uh, knockdowns and he can knock people out as well, but a very resilient, unbeaten fighter, proven unbeaten fighter as well in, you know, right in the peak of his career. How do you, how do you know? Mm. It's, with six days notice, how do you know where you're at? Do you have a good enough feeling about your body that you would know under those bright lights in Brooklyn main event, whether you can hold good? How does he know? And will he know? I, I think he'll have a good idea of where he's at. I, I don't think there's ever a stage in Max Holloway's career where he's just absent from the gym for a number of days. I think there will always be something he'll be doing. So even if he's not doing a regular training camp session, he'll be able to gauge his conditioning levels, what he's capable of, you know, if anything's hurting, if anything's not responding as well as it should be, those kind of things, he'll, he'll be very much tuned into that all the time. So I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue as far as his confidence goes. I also think the fact that there is no pressure on him in this fight because he's already the hero for stepping up. Yeah. He's already, you know, a legend for taking a fight. I mean, Khabib's unbeaten. He's coming up a weight class to fight mm. him on six days notice. 
even if he lo- if even if he were to lose the fight, he goes back down to featherweight. He's still the champion, or he stays at lightweight and demands a rematch and probably gets it after a full training camp. It's, right. I, I I think he's he's laughing this week. He's enjoying himself. He he, he sees this as a a bonus opportunity that's been presented to him. What that, an opportunity! I mean, it, you know, if we're talking about snakes and ladders, this jumps him up a few levels. Yeah. And puts him in the bargaining seat then. Yeah. You know, and, and what I like about the fact that Max Holloway could potentially be in that position is that he's not going to hold the division hostage. He's not going to sit back and go, no, now you need to earn the, the place to fight me. He still wants to be in the mix proving it. Mm. I, I respect that. And I, I think that streamlining the op- opportunities for McGregor makes it far easier to get him on a contract and back into the UFC. Mm. Couple more points on Max, and I think we need to talk about um, Khabib a little bit and uh, and some of his strategies. The ground game, um, as I as I said, I think the, the last time he got taken down was 2014. He has landed uh, takedowns of his own, and he has a very nice floaty top game. I I I have to say that he's going to get put on his back at some point, or at least on his butt. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen anything, though, have we, to, to even give us an indication of where he's at. Where do you think he's at with his wrestling and his ability on his back? Do you think he's going to play there? Do you think he's going to spring back to his feet? I, I, honestly don't think, I honestly don't think Max Holloway's interested in playing off his back, in, in learning a guard game necessarily. I think his entire focus will be butterfly hooks, underhooks, sweep back to the top position, get back to the feet find my way to the fence and start working up. Now, he knows Khabib is going to take him down against the fence because that's where Khabib likes to do most of his work. So he does have some leverage there that he can lean on. He can push into the fence and you know work himself back up. Um, and it, you know, the other thing as well, we, we know Khabib's got a submission game, but he's not necessarily interested in jumping on stuff. So that's going to give Max a bit more courage just to explode and just to jump up and get out of a bad situation. Right. Um I think the only attacks that we see from Max Holloway is once he's defended a takedown or two for Khabib and he sees that Khabib's starting to slow down, then he's going to start looking at those neck attacks. Right. And it's going to be that high elbow, those those guillotines, maybe a, a front headlock, head and arm combination or something like that where he's able to um, attack to the point where if it's not working, he can let go and bail out and still be safe. He's not going to fall to his back and work any of that because... I mean, it's just, it would just be a nightmarish position, especially if he just spent that first 10 minutes smashed up against the fence getting beaten up. I, I always, I always remember uh, Mark Henry's face when Edson Barbosa was on the canvas in, up against the fence in the corner and Khabib landed this Thor's hammer of a yeah. punch. Poof, and you yeah, just saw sound. Mark Henry go, ah, oh, just, you know, you felt that, that power as, as a coach through the fence. And, yeah. you know, any one of those shots is, is enough to, to, you know, to change the way that you perceive the fight in your own head and you just kind of start to give up after that. And that's what Khabib relies on because he's not a knockout puncher necessarily. Max does take punches. Very good chin. I think they were even saying in commentary, you know, Jose is landing really big shots here, but Holloway was just nonchalant, just walking through it. Um, But here's one. So uh, I think this is something that you've shown before. Um, I call it the the step through, mm-hmm. is it where he goes from orthodox to southpaw, and the way in which he does that. Um, talk about that and why it's such a good technique, but also how valid that might be again uh, against someone like or 
against Khabib, given his strategy coming into this fight and trying to get underneath stuff and, you know, force Max back to the fence, take him down? Mm. Well, the, the stance, stance switching is really useful when you've already got your opponent on the back foot. I, I don't necessarily think that Max, Max is going to be trying to cover a great deal of distance in the early goings. I think he's going to try and use lateral movement and try and get Khabib to move into a range where he's already set him up for a shot. Whether it's a, you know, a step off to the side and crack him with a right hand on the way in or a pivot off with a left hook and catch him. Or, you know, maybe even as Khabib's crashing forward, he does switch stance and, and throw a straight left, which, you know, we've seen him do a few times. A lot of the attacks that he uses when he's switching stances, he, he he tends to move forward with them. You know what I mean? He tends to he tends to kind of strafe his opponent as he's moving forward and kind of almost windshield wiper them towards the fence. And I, I just I don't even if Khabib is losing the fight and he's starting to take shots, I don't see him giving that ground. I see him standing his ground and trying to clinch immediately. In which case, Max Holloway then has to use that lateral movement to. To create space for Khabib. Right, because he's not going to be able to go. Exactly. Because there's going to be nowhere. He's just going to hit a brick wall. That's it. Okay. Uh, we, we, you know, we've, we've spoken about, um, I can't remember who it was that we were talking about, but octagon control and the idea of, of the octagon control not necessarily being the person that's got the most octagon behind them and pushing their opponent back. I mean, it, it's not a game of King of the Hill and the center of the octagon is not where you win the fight. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not necessarily, you know. Like... One of the beautiful things about uh, Wonderboy Thompson is the way that he makes people step onto the punches and kicks that he wants them to to walk onto. I think the it wasn't this fight, but is it Carlos Condit versus Diaz? Is it that kind of thing? Like yeah. he controlled the octagon because he made his opponent do what he wanted to do, exactly that. so that he could employ his game plan. Exactly that. Right. You, you you create windows. You you present a path for your opponent that they are only recognizing subconsciously. Right. Like I always talk about it in seminars when I've got somebody backed up against the fence and I, I basically, they have a 50-50 option of which way to go and I will give them a 52% option one way. And although that's only a small difference, they'll recognize that subconsciously and they'll opt to take it. So I can influence that decision making him step a particular way. Max Holloway can do the same thing because Khabib in his last fight against Edson Barbosa just followed him in a circle. That was one of the shots that we used in, in the breakdown inside the octagon was that aerial shot yeah. of Khabib just walking in circles after Edson Barbosa. Which is just a, uh, it's not great use of energy, it, I guess. Is that what you're getting at? There's no, there's no thought process to it. Right. It's just like a dog with a bone exactly. type thing. The okay. space in the octagon is endless if you walk in a circle. You just can walk in a circle step, for a thousand yeah. miles in the octagon. Exactly. If you just cut them off, you make the octagon halved. Then you give them less room to play with. Then when they start to move in that space, then you cut that off again and you give them a third and you just start slicing the octagon down. So literally like you paint them into a corner. Right. That's one way of doing it. The other way of doing it is that you're in the octagon and you're, if you know that you've got somebody as predictable as Khabib in their movement, they're going to move forward like a great white shark. You go, okay, you're going to move into this path. So I'm going to step off to the side and hit you as you walk into it. And, and I expect that that's what Max Holloway is going to do with his footwork. He's going to use that ability to switch his stance and to move laterally to basically create traps for, for Khabib to crash forward into. Okay. Well, let's switch it over to Khabib and throw a few stats in there for you. Third best strike differential in the history of the division. Fourth best striking defense in the history of the division, which is quite surprising. Um, third best strike absorption rate. So he's not getting hit a lot. Mm-hmm. is what it's telling me, which is very important. Going in against Max is going to put a lot of volume on him. 
Um, that's not something that really jumps off the page at me, though, when I think about his fights. I mean, it's very much... I think about the offense. Mm -hmm. I think about the wrestling offense and that ridiculous ground and pound, arguably one of the greatest ground and pound fighters ever now, I think, inside the octagon. Yeah. Um, so maybe talk about that, the striking defense, and then like a couple of his greatest weapons. Mm -hmm. Well, just one thing on stats that, are, that is, is often not considered is because mixed martial arts is such a, such a varied sport and because striking can be applied to lots of different ranges, you've got to think of where these stats are being racked up. So if, if Khabib had those striking stats and he was just a kickboxer, they'd be very impressive. But if they're also talking about him not getting, not getting hit with shots when people are striking off their back. Right. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So because that's where people mostly are when they're fighting him. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, his striking defense is his wrestling offense. Yes. That's why his striking defense is so good because people aren't in a position where they can strike him. Yeah. And a lot of the time when they are striking him, they're on the back foot, they're under pressure. He's also throwing bombs at them in order to close that distance. So they're punching out of panic. You know, yeah. One of one of my favorite uh, favorite examples of forcing people to do things out of panic is BJ Penn against Sean Shirk, and we're going back into the archive yeah. here, making yeah. me feel like an old man. But BJ Penn was on the on the the back foot in that fight because Sean Shirk had that wrestling pressure, wrestling pressure. BJ Penn in the late, later in the fight backed him up to the fence with striking and forced Sean Shirk to make a decision whether to stand and strike or level change. Now, knowing Sean Shirk is a strong wrestler, you can kind of gamble on that because they're good mm. odds. You're going to mm. go, well, it's likely he's going to, especially being under pressure, fight or flight kicks in. He kicks into his subconscious to what he's used to doing, which is level changing and shooting. BJ Penn stepped straight in with a knee and caught him clean. Mm. And, and it's that, you know, it's a gambling game. We always, we always talk about, you know, it's, it's high stakes chess. You can edge those bets, though. You can go, well, it's most likely that he's going to level change under panic, so I can set him up for that. Same thing with Khabib. You know he's going to move forward, so you can set him up for that. It, there, there are different things that you can rely on, and, and the more of a bank of research that you can do on a fighter, the, the more you will see those patterns and opportunities. And mm. like I said, Max is obsessive. He's, he's in this sport full-time, and he's watching those guys like their potential opponents. His fight against Barboza, Khabib's fight against Barboza, um, showed some evolution to his game, uh, particularly the kicks. It's something that he's spoken about, uh, showed an understanding of the kicking game and was over to overcome that. Was there anything else that you took from that fight that you think he'd refined, developed? It's difficult, isn't it? Because he's just, it's kind of his route one and no one can really stop it so far. Yeah. Uh, the, the, only, the only real improvement I've seen is in is in the, the, the technique when he's throwing his punches. He's not throwing with any part of the hand like they're clubs anymore. Right. He, he does that on the floor a lot. He'll, he'll tend to stand over somebody and he'll hit them with a straight punch then he'll come back with a hammer fist. And there's a lot of variety in his punches there. And in the early days when he was fighting, like his knockout over uh, Tiago Tavares, which is like the uppercut hook that he was yeah. throwing. Um, and he hit the same on Sh uh, Roos, I think it was. He shot for a takedown. Yeah. And as there was the response, he caught him with that shot under the chin. And he still, but that's a developed, yes, because we spoke about the development of his, of of his muscles. Of his shoulder, yeah. Which he's got, I saw a picture of him when he was younger. He's had that his whole life. Yeah. It's mad. But he uses that. But what I'm getting at is he's knocking people out with that shot. 
and he still generates an, an incredible amount of power mm-hmm. when he's tied people up and he's on one knee yeah. and he's still able to use that shot. It yeah. kind of doesn't matter about the technique, does it? It's like just using your fist as a club. Yeah, exactly that. And, and it works really well for ground and pound, but because he didn't have the same refinement on, uh, in, his, in his kickboxing, he, he basically would use the same style of striking on the feet as he would on the floor. Right, so he yeah. would crash forward and club you with any part of his hand that he could. <laughs> yeah. And you can see that he's been working on his technical striking. You can see he's throwing punches cleaner now. He's coming over the top with some right hands. He's throwing some straight. So th- there has definitely been a change in that. I mean, we know he's got, he's got power in his hands. That, that punch in particular, the reason why I find that quite fascinating is because it looks like a hook when he throws it. The direction that it comes is is like an uppercut, and it's as you, as we were talking about the development of the front of his shoulders. You can see how that muscle mass supports that power. But another reason why it was so beneficial is because the same muscles that he uses to drive in his takedown are the same muscles that he uses to drive the power of the punch. Right. Because a lot of the time it was he would level change to attack, or he would level change to then come back up with the punch. Yeah. So he's using that spring in his legs, that power that he would use to drive a takedown, to then create power for the punch. Am I right in saying that you're in boxing, professional boxing, that would be an illegal shot? I, it's hard to see which part of the glove that yeah. it would be, but rabbit punches are obviously wrong. And I'm not saying that Khabib is leaving the floor with it. You can't hit them with the back part of the fist. Yeah, but it's but he's coming from this direction. It's a weird one, isn't it? It is a weird one. But you certainly wouldn't be training your boxer along that fine disciplinary, disciplinary line, would no. you? So he's definitely not traditionally Western boxing or even kickboxing trained. No. No, in that sense no, not, no not at all not at all I mean I, I'm, he works a lot with Javier Mendes don't he and I know that Mendes has tightened up his striking um, but how much can you tighten up Khabib's striking until somebody outstrikes him yeah until he comes into the gym and he goes okay I don't know what happened I got tired Max Holloway lit me up I can see I need to get better at a couple of things right that for me is the most interesting Khabib because that's when he's coming back having made some changes to his game We've already seen that with Max Holloway. So, mm. I mean, I know there's going to be more developments to his game, but the, the upward trajectory is not going to be quite the same as, as it would be for Khabib if he lost this weekend. Going back to that punch as well, one thing that I used to love about Nassim Hamed and one of the reasons why he was so successful is when you throw from the hip, it's very difficult to see that mm-hmm. as a fighter, particularly if you are eye to eye and not maybe looking at the chest or something like that. So that punch was sneaking through a lot of guards. Mm, it's and coming underneath. Yeah. yeah and with inside. the way that Max holds his hands, it, it looks like it could be quite a decent weapon for breaking those defences. It, it could potentially be. It could, it, it could potentially be. But then at the same time, as you were saying, because Max Holloway is quite broad, he doesn't flare his elbows out too much. So he might, it might actually benefit him to be able to catch it on the inside, on right. the inside of his back elbow. Yeah. A- again, it's one of those unpredictable punches that there isn't necessarily a right way to throw it because most people don't throw that punch. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, to be honest, Max Holloway would be more vulnerable to a traditional left hook because it would come around the side of his guard. Yes, yeah. Especially with the, with the trajectory that Khabib throws his power punches yes. in. To and crash forward. Exactly. And because you know that every punch he throws is going to be a power punch. Yeah. You know, you can guarantee on that as well. It's, you know, it's, that's a safe bet. You know that if he misses a punch, then you can punish him if you're quick enough. 
Another thing that we spoke about on the inside of the octagon that you guys didn't get to see was Khabib using his head as like a, not a rangefinder, but like a placeholder for his punches. And I don't see many other fighters doing it quite as well as he does. Um, Speak about that because I I think it's absolutely fascinating and and it's something that I've been trying to bring into my training as well. Yeah, well... Khabib does with his head what Anthony Johnson does with his left hand when he's punching somebody with his right. Go back to Anthony Johnson's fight against uh, Nagera and he's playing hacky sack with his head. And it's, it, I mean, it's. Was it Phil Davis as well where he was. Phil Davis, he just walked him down and beat him up, but he was using it as a range finder to stop him to punch him. Right. The, the one against Nagera is where he's got him backed up against the fence and he's literally. Oh, yes, I remember this. You know what I mean? Keeps, he just, keeps him up, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah, punches him back to his feet. Yeah. But that range finder, Derek Brunson, does it as well. You, you tend to find when you've got a, a, a person that's got that one big punch, their other hand does tend to act as a setup for that big punch. Now, Khabib does it with his head because a lot of the time he's, he's got somebody, you know, on the seat of their pants, up against the fence. You know, leaning against the fence, he puts his head under their chin and he's driving them into the fence, which then allows both of his hands to be available to keep taking wrists off, the, you know, taking a post away, taking an ankle up, you know, elevating a leg and also punching. And because his head's in contact with them, he knows roughly where their face is going to be. Yeah. He knows which direction their head's facing because he's forcing their head to face in that direction. So he knows that he can keep hitting them in the head, in the face. It's... It's a very oppressive game plan, and, and it puts people in that in that that dilemma of do I defend my face or do I try and get back to my feet? One of the clips that we pulled out from the Edson Barbosa fight was the the leg triangle, and Khabib locks the legs up. I mean, I shout Khabib time in the gym when I get somebody in that position. Now, it's, <laughs> it's one of my favourite positions. You triangle your legs around theirs, which then means that they can either defend their head or they can push on your legs to try and escape and. I mean, there's no, there's no win in that situation. Yeah. You've already lost because you're on the floor with Khabib on top of you. Mm. So it's a case of accepting getting punched in the face and trying not to take too many big shots before you get your legs free or covering your head until Khabib maybe gives you an opportunity to free up. But that's, he doesn't allow that opportunity. So that's where people get shut out. And that head position is so good because, uh, and this is the bit that you added in the show, which I hadn't really thought about. He does it in such a way that he has his vision available to him to see all of these other opportunities uh-huh. going on, whether it be removing a post, him posting out, or whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's a small detail, but head position is... We hear it a lot in commentary and corners calling it, but he is absolutely mm. brilliant yeah. with that and that rangefinder. Yeah, and uh, you know... Uh, the, the, Dan Gable always talked about it. Uh, the SBG guys talked about it. You know, the smashing top game, the idea that the higher man always wins. Khabib's whole game is around that. His whole game is around being above his opponent, bearing down on them, forcing them to carry his weight, and then as they're trying to get up under that pressure, just just beating them up and wearing them down. Mm. And, and it's it's giving people those windows of opportunity to to get partially back to their feet before you start punishing them and taking them back down. So it's not only a, a physical beatdown, but it's an, a psychological beatdown as well. Because every time you, you reach a certain hurdle, which takes a massive amount of energy, if you can picture being in that position with Khabib on top of you, under the lights, under that pressure, you know, especially if you know, you've been building up for this for a few weeks, the benefit of Max Holloway is he's just stepping in on short notice. So he's not had this this psychological wearing on him, you know, over, over weeks. 
just look at Edson Barbosa's face in that third round. And he's literally sat on the floor, head being driven into the fence by uh, Khabib, who's just taking his wrists and ankles away from him. And you can just, on his face, he's just, I, I don't know what to do. I have nothing left to offer. Mm. I get halfway to my feet, he punches me in the face and takes me back down again. Mm. It's suffocating. It's, it, it's, it's, it almost gets to the stage where it can be quite unpleasant to watch because I can't help but put myself in that position sometimes when I'm watching those fighters and I, I feel empathy for them because it's, it, it's, it's awful. Jimmy Warled's had me in that position in the gym before, just smash you into a corner and beat you up and, You've got to accept that it's it's a it's a, a battle to get back to the feet mm. and to not lose your psychological edge when you're doing it. My sort of semi counter to that is the look of or the physical state of Jose Aldo's face in that second fight on the back of the fantastic jab and right hand, and then the lead right hand from Southpaw, which really led to them hitting the canvas. That volume, again, it's like, what do I need to do here mm-hmm. to, to win? And that's Jose Aldo probably asking himself those questions. Yeah, yeah. A, a, man that's, a man that's so well-versed in striking that he had the division on lockdown and looked head and shoulders above everybody, like yeah. Demetrius Johnson does, like Anderson did at one time. I mean, Jose Aldo was in that position. And then when you see Max Holloway adding a few new dimensions to his game and and adding a few things that Jose Aldo had to adapt to like the stand switching and and you know and again you know the durability as well is 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 a massive massive factor going into this because mm. we know that Holloway is able to to not be discouraged you know if he's lost the first two rounds or so yeah you mentioned it the time that you have to dwell on a fight the preparation the pros and cons to that so we we spoke earlier about the fact that Max is probably going to be well-conditioned. He's that kind of athlete. But mentally, it worked for Michael Bisping when he fought Luke Rockhold. Coming in, not having to dwell on it, the media obligations, etc. Do you think that it's a, a good thing when the fear very much exists around Khabib and getting put into those positions? For me, I, could, I would imagine a lot of athletes, as soon as they hit the deck, their adrenaline and the fear that goes through their body, they're going to have to try and separate that. Mm. Otherwise, it's just such a drain. Mm. But he just now comes with such a ferocious reputation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you've got to think what that does to a fighter that's, that's in the process of training for that kind of ordeal. I mean, well, you know, what a better word to use for it. You know, I, I put myself in Edson Barbosa's team and, and imagine what it was like to go to the gym every day and go, okay, this is what we've got to deal with. This is what we've got to deal with. No one's been, been able to beat him. He's been hit once and hurt from what we, what we could see. You know, the Michael Johnson fight, they would the probably watch that Only over time again. in his UFC career. It, it was a, a tiny chink in his armor, but that, that will be a, a, such a crutch psychologically for these fighters going in because it was the only vulnerability that we've seen. Now, Khabib is human. You know, the, 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 the fact about mixed martial arts is if you can cut him enough, if you can damage him enough, if you can make him tired enough, there's a way to beat people because every single person's human. Mm. Kenny Florian made an absolute mess of Sean Shirk off his back. Now, he didn't, he didn't get the fight finished, but Khabib's never seen a lot of his own blood before, I'm sure. In a situation where Max Holloway can cut him on the bottom and start to create some damage again the psychological chink in his arm that you can start to pick at 
Um, if you can work those body shots, that is something that is a game changer for anybody. The, for me, the worst way to lose, I fortunately never lost a fight it's by body shot, but I've, I've ended many sparring sessions on a bad note because of a body shot, because it's debilitating and you know exactly what's happening. It's not like a knockout. Yeah. It's not like you get caught with a clean yeah, shot. You yeah. open your eyes and you're staring at a doctor and you go, oh, okay, that must have happened. Yeah, yeah. Like a body shot, you are there you're to You're conscious it. for the whole thing. Like you, you're screaming at your diaphragm. Just relax a minute. Let me take a breath. And you can see the bloke celebrating as he's won the fight, you know, and you're there on the floor. It's, it's a very, very unpleasant way to, to, to lose a fight. But nobody's, nobody's invincible. If, if Max Holloway can at least land a body shot and make Khabib feel like a human, feel like he can be beaten, again, Max Holloway's confidence skyrockets. Mm. It, the, the, there are ways to beat every single individual, but to know every time you show up at the gym in the morning, I'm dealing with that and know what I'm facing in Khabib, that can wear on you. That can eat it away at you psychologically. And if you're not strong enough, it can, it can break you. Yeah. Because you know that possibility of being ground out and beaten up and having a very unpleasant 15 or 25 minutes is, is a good possibility. Mm. And then when it starts to happen in the first round, there's a little voice in your head goes, you knew this was going to happen, didn't you? You know, we yeah. did everything we could and it's still <laughs> happening. Eight weeks of bad positional <laughs> you know? sparring. Someone, let's start him on your hips. Let's start him in top half guard. Yeah. It's just never in a good spot when no. you're training for this guy, I guess. And, and you know yourself, you finish those training sessions and you're like, oh, that was so unpleasant. Yeah. It was, it was just so unpleasant. Small wins. I got back to my feet once or twice versus the 55 shots I took in the mush. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be some benefit to coming in on late notice against him. I, I, th- I think so. I think so. And, and a, massive, a massive relief. So you, you talked Michael Bisping a minute ago about coming in short notice against Luke Rockhold. Imagine how much... I mean, there was less pressure on Michael Bisping in that situation than anything anyway. But imagine how much less pressure there was if Michael Bisping was already the welterweight champ. Right. Right? Yeah. So he's taking even less of a risk because yeah. he's not even his weight class. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's a it's a beautiful gamble. It's the it's a similar situation, although it, it's more for fortuitous for Max Holloway because that's the way the cards have fell. For Conor McGregor, that's how he played the deck of cards. He played it so he had the the featherweight belt as a safety net. So when he moved up to lightweight to contend for that belt, if it didn't work out, he had that safety net at featherweight. Yeah, I mean, Max Holloway is in that position, and he's not done anything to 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 create that opportunity for himself. So. <sighs> it's a great example. I mean, you can imagine what it would be like for Max Holloway to walk out of that, that octagon with two belts. Unbelievable. He's the man to beat in all the lighter weight classes. I'm more interested in Max Holloway's next fight then than I am DC against Miocic. And I'm really excited for that fight. It opens a lot of questions. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to ask one more question about the, the, uh, the strawweight fight because we were behind the camera in mm. one of Dan's other rooms of this fabulous quarters that he uh, that he lives in. There's something that you wanted to say about you wish you had seen oh, the yeah. uh, the embedded mm. before we recorded inside the octagon. It was something that you noted <laughs> with Rose Namajunas. You know uh, so well, John, because I'm glad you've given me an opportunity to talk about this because it's been bugging me that I have not spotted this earlier and got it out. Yeah, absolutely. It was on the embedded show. Was, I think it was episode one. And had I watched it before we did the breakdown, I would have absolutely talked about this. There's a scene where 
Rose's hitting pads with Trevor Whitman, who makes fantastic gloves by the look of it, and I want to, I want to get a pair of them. <laughs> um, hitting pads with Trevor Whitman, and they're working on, um, they're working on broken rhythm. They're working on half beats. Bruce Lee always used to talk about cadence and breaking your rhythm to catch people off guard. And my coach always used to talk about striking movement, which is not, it's a different way of looking at striking. It's basically predicting when someone's going to be in motion and catching them on the way in or on the way out, depending on, on the technique. Now, Rose, Rose and Trevor Whitman and Pat Barry had done a really good job of reading Joanna in that first fight and noticing the opening for the left hook. Mm. Now what they're going to play on in this fight, I think he's going to be trying to catch her as she starts to, as she starts her attack. So in the first fight, Rose was stepping in with two shots. She was standing the ground and just slipping out of the way. And then she was punishing Joanna as she fell short. I feel like in this time, she's going to step in and hit with two shots. Even if she misses, stand the ground. Then when Joanna attacks, she's going to intercept and attack her again. There's a scene you can see Pat Barry and he's, and he's counting out rhythms on his hand. He's going... That, like they're working on a particular cadence, a particular rhythm. So right. I think that's very interesting. I think Trevor Whitman is he's massively underrated as a coach. I don't think people realize how broad his knowledge is and how well thought out these game plans are. Mm. And I think we'll see evidence of that this weekend. And then the other thing is just her working on submissions as people are scrambling back to her feet, back to their feet. So perhaps she's going to look at trying to ground Joanna to the point where Joanna then starts to scramble back so she can jump on arms and, and rear naked chokes and that kind of thing. Th- those embedded, I only see a few clips, but every now and then I'll see something and it'll stand out to me as that's unusual, that's different, that's creative, and then I'll start to f- see how that fits into the fight. And that... That was a little... Very interesting. Yeah, you were excited like about that, that one. Yeah. Nice yeah. one, whoa. Look, will it be the... Blessed error or Khabib time. Will we see <laughs> Joanna get that championship belt back or will the new version of Rose Namajunas? Yeah. You know, she's just going to be herself, be present, go in there and what is it she said? Smooth like butter? Something like that? Sting like a something. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to swear them. All, all of the, the pre-fight and post-fight speeches from Rose Namajunas were excellent. Um, I'm enjoying the build-up. This was the SOS call delivered. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will, of course, be back for the genuine Inside the Octagon for the next pay-per-view. Thank you for watching. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.